Remember LinkedIn Global, that giant event in New Jersey that gathered a thousand people together to have real in-person networking that all initiated online? Today's guest is actually the driving force behind LinkedIn Global. He is involved with many projects. Most importantly, he's known as the Amazon Madman. He started off calling himself the Amazon King. Now he calls himself the Amazon Madman. Joel Wall is also the founder of Joel Media. He is busy. It took me a while to get him on the show, and I'm excited that we finally got that interview together. Please help me welcome Joel Wall. This is the Way to Greatness podcast, where we explore the journey from failure and mediocrity to success and greatness. And now your host, Ari Gunsberg. Welcome back to The Way to Greatness. Today we have with us the Amazon madman himself, Joe Wall. Please help me welcome. Thank you. This moniker, Amazon madman, where did it come from? Oh, it's simple. I mean, there is the show Mad Men, right? Which are about Madison men who are in advertising on Madison Avenue. And being that I uh, launched an Amazon advertising agency and I'm like a little bit out there in a madman way, I thought it was a perfect fit. And uh, I think people like me. I don't think too much into things that I do. And then some of them are quite fun at the end. They're quite impactful. It's funny. I actually never connected that to the show Mad Men. Well, there you go. <laughs> Did you used to use a moniker like the, what was the one you used to use? The King of? King of Amazon. King of Amazon. Yeah. That's going back a little bit, eh? Yeah. I mean, that helped me when, when I was really the nobody of Amazon, but I... <laughs> <laughs> crown myself the king of Amazon. And honestly, that like positioning, amplifying what you do, that is kind of like what I'm good at. And uh, I think that we can all practice it. I don't call it lying or exaggerating. If you're not bending the truth in any kind of way, but you're kind of amplifying, marketing your very best, very best self forward skills and, and features. Kind of like how you sell a car, right? You don't sell a car. If it doesn't go too fast, you're not going to sell the speed, right? Right. Right. So if it's a very comfortable car, you can you can sell the comfort. You don't have to talk about the negative aspects of it. And, uh, and you could decide that it's the best car in the world, right? And it's open to debate, but it's your decision to brand yourself as the fastest car in the world. Right, right, right. Did you get started with, I think the name of your company is Boutique Sellers, right? Yeah, so I mean, we're going through lots of transitions. Boutique Seller started out as an Amazon agency. We switched over to PPC Revolution, which covers... So Boutique Seller's closing down and shifting into PPC Revolution? Yeah, so we're not closing down. So Boutique Seller is rebranding as a platform for seller services. It actually, the name of the company is Boutique Seller Services because... I never wanted to put myself into a real tight niche, sure. which was smart because right now we're building out a platform with 
services for Amazon sellers. So legal, logistics, listing, pictures, video, anything that Amazon seller. Expanding beyond the typical ad agency that you started as. Well, yeah. I mean, again, it'll be a platform just like Upwork or Fiverr. Ah, where you can connect people who are doing what you used to do to the people who want to work with them. Yeah. Amazon sellers need many different providers and not only Amazon sellers, but e-commerce sellers in general uh, utilize different providers in different spaces. And we want to have a, a platform with vetted providers that are, you know, not just some guys in India, but people that are actually, you know, have solid agencies and they're servicing their clients. We want to be able to bring them all together in one place. And then the ad agency is under the PPC Rev brand. So the ad agency, that's been your baby from the very beginning, right? I mean, from from the beginning of this journey, um, which coincided kind of with LinkedIn starting to get very content, social content friendly. And I was able to leverage that at the same time. So it really worked out well for me in terms of, you know, how this journey has run for the last three years. Sure. What, what were you doing before that? Uh, I did different things. I have another business. I don't want to really get into it, but just consumer products, very, very boring stuff. Okay. So the other stuff you were doing was successful, but not as successful as this, or it was like crashing and burning as you were shifting into this. I never really took my business, my financial success never really took off in a major way, right? I was always plugging away, doing my thing, really trying, always trying. And I, I always had a very, very broad outlook and you know view of of my financial life meaning i was able to visualize myself making a lot more money than i did which kept on driving me forward so you know you could be poor for 20 years but if you're thinking rich like you're living the rich life it's just like you don't have that yet you know that house yet you don't have that car yet but right 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 yeah i mean this getting into amazon and getting into something that i love doing besides for the money aspect you know the financial success which you never really get financially successful. You always want more. So you have to really define that. And that's key, I guess. That's one of the most important things in the world. But doing something you love really, really hit home when I started doing this. First time in my life that I- Amazon, could... right? Pardon? Something you love. You're talking to Amazon, right? Yeah, yeah. For me, I mean, Amazon advertising, I, I literally- got obsessed with it. It First time in my life that I I was staying up till two o'clock in the morning working, you know, I wanted to, obviously I had to, but I wanted to. And yes, that that was a very good thing for me. Did you start off at the boutique sellers as a solopreneur? Yeah. Yeah. I started off myself, just myself. And you've grown it to the point where it's more than just you now. Yeah. We have three offices now. Blown up. It's growing nicely. Lots of growing pain as we're switching over from an agency to more of an automated software model, uh, lots of investing, not very easy, but we're scaling and we're growing. So that's good. And then I've put myself out of it a little bit where I am now getting involved with startups and with marketing, just a whole new, whole new avenues there. Have you handed the reins of boutique sellers over to somebody else at this point? Right. So I haven't handed it over. I'm, I'm very much involved. All our larger clients. I mean, right now we're switching to, we're adding a dimension to the business of automation where we want our clients to onboard themselves. But for our full scale agency clients, I still do all the onboarding myself, me, and I'm fully involved, but we have process in place where I don't have to answer emails every half hour. And it's allowing me a little breathing room and a little time to invest 
I still do a lot of the onboarding myself. I do a lot of the, the strategic planning for the company, obviously. Uh, the marketing and uh, partnerships. We're working now with Google, we're working with Walmart, with Wish.com, helping those platforms actually. I mean, it's it sounds funny because two years ago, I wouldn't even dream of being on a call with Google or with Walmart and we're moving things forward. And yes, I'm fully involved, but I do have time to pursue other things as well. Uh, you know, I'm kind of guy that has like big dreams and i uh, there are things that I want to accomplish. So I'm just out there trying to push, push, push in as many avenues as I can. Absolutely. We've all experienced moments of failure at points in our lives. What's a particular moment of failure that you've experienced? It could be recently. It could be years ago. I've experienced years of failure. Come on, man. I know. I'm saying, give me something specific. (laughs) (laughs) Take us to a moment, you know, paint the picture for us. Tell us, uh, you know, the business you were running beforehand was crashing and burning. This was happening or, this boutique seller services, you were cranking away at it for 10 months and then it was blowing up and then all of a sudden you did just one thing, you know, like bring us to one of these moments. I mean, if you want me to crash and burn, I'll crash and burn. No, I don't want you to crash and burn. I'm just, failure in the moment is very difficult. I'm hoping to get to that point. Right. I mean, for me, business is like one long journey. So I I never look at it. I don't want this to sound cliche because I kind of hate on all those cliche influencers. You probably know that, but... (laughs) Don't worry, I'm going to ask you about that later. <laughs> it's one long journey. And I, I don't think, I'm, a, I'm pretty conservative by nature, right? So I've never gone and said, hey, here's a million dollars. Let's invest in this. And then it just crashes and burns. So, which also has restricted me, you know, when you're risk averse, it, it restricts you from the big wins as well. So, you know, that's something that I'm working on now in my life as I get older, see how much risk you know, I have a little bit more flexibility in terms of risk and I'm trying to do that now. But I, I would crash and burns, I would say mostly is on the personal side. That's where um, like my, my biggest regrets are not in business. Like business, you know, you got to believe that God's helping out and uh, you, you're just, uh, you appear to be in the driver's seat. So it's not like uh, something that I am um, incredibly uh, upset about one thing or another. And, and another thing that I learned was even certain failures that you thought they were failures, they gave you certain tools. And again, it sounds cliche, but it does. It always gives you certain tools. And you say, hey, I learned this then. I can apply this now, whether it's advice for myself or advice that I can share with someone else. So that's always helpful. Absolutely. Would you mind talking about personal failures or you'd rather not? No, I'd rather not. Okay. I'm a rock star. <laughs> I don't have personal failures. But um, Spoken like a true entrepreneur. I think that people say, you know, don't live with regret. I think regret is very, very important. I think you have to live with regret because then it helps you keep focused and ensure that you don't make the same mistakes that you have. And that's that's the whole purpose why we're born with regret. To live with regret, like ruminating over what happened, but to not ruminate over regret over what should have happened or to sit there. I mean, meaning I feel like the regret that you use to learn from something that happened in the past and to go forward from it is great. But the regret that somebody sits there and lives in the past and ruminates and oh, why didn't I just do this? And why couldn't it be different? Yeah. I mean, no, I'm not referring to ruminate, but I think you always have to be conscious and thoughtful about the past and not to whitewash it and not to run away from it, but to, to live with it to, to a certain extent. You know, I don't want to say you should be like doomed because you made a mistake, but it's good to keep, you know, Check out the review mirror every once in a while and make sure that you're going the right direction. Recognize the mistakes so you can learn from them. 
You mentioned before that while not why you didn't want to exactly go into the failure itself, that it's very important to learn from the failures and move past it. Give us a, a huge lesson that you learned from one of your failures without going into this specific failure. Mm-mm-mm-mm. One of the things is that we, I mean, as humans, we tend to start blaming everyone else for our problems. Yep. And, you know, one of the things I do now, say I have a deal that falls through or something is not happening the way it should. It's taken me, look, I'm, I'm 39 years old. I'm a really, really late bloomer. And I'm not one of those guys that are smart 21 year old and they can just sit there and just, just <laughs> have a whole list of successes under the belt. I'm slow. <laughs> I'm a slow learner. It took me a long time. But one of those things is right now, you know, reflection, instead of blaming, saying, hey, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? And um, that usually, usually, uh, especially when it comes to if you have that attitude with clients, it really, really helps. So if a client leaves, let's say, and they're upset and you you convert that over to, we're sorry, here's what we could have done differently. I look forward to helping you in the future. And I find that practicing that really brings back a lot of value. Focusing the lens of what could have been done better internally, specifically, as opposed to externally and all these other factors that may have had something to do with it, but saying, what was my part in what happened and how can I do better next time? Right on. Okay. So you mentioned losing clients. I recall that recently you posted that you lost a couple of clients. Could we bring that up? Right. So, yeah, I started posting more about the losses than the gain. <laughs> so I started a company called Joel Media. I was inspired by VaynerMedia, I'm not going to lie. I like putting my name With a up. number of social media and event successes, that's what helps spur it. Well, yeah. So, I mean, to be quite frank, for religious reasons, I try not to, I, I don't try, I don't engage on social media, period. Um, I'm not on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, TikTok, or anything else. I have a little presence here and there. I have different managers that have put me on in different places, but I, I don't engage on any other platforms besides LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, LinkedIn's got its, let's say, let's just say margins as well, where you, you want to be careful with. But I, I've really learned to leverage LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, uh, as a business professional, whether it's B2B, even B2C, it is a very, very powerful tool with very, very far reach. And a great personal branding tool in a, in a place where you can actually brand yourself at, in a way that there's an ROI, there's a conversion. What I mean is on Instagram, if you're going to brand yourself and get a hundred thousand followers at best, you'll get some kind of deal. You'll do some LinkedIn. You're going to get invited to, you know, speak before a thousand people. You know, you're going to get, you can get real deals off of your personal branding. So it means so much more. And I realized a long time ago that I, I really can help other people tried different routes. And then at last, I had a great kid on my team, Ben Shatyak, who was really well suited for it. And I said, Ben, I'm going to start a marketing company. We're going to start with LinkedIn. We're going to do different things. You're going to be in charge of it pretty much in terms of you know managing and day-to-day stuff. Yeah. And we started three months ago or so. We made it some like big announcements, kept the price very low, had a bunch of clients come on board to test it and whatnot. And ultimately, you know, when you do marketing and any kind of agency work, you kind of learn what the right clients are for you. In the meantime, uh, I started shifting my focus towards the startup space, tech, you know, early stage startups, late stage, whatever. It's just a lot of interesting stuff. For you to get involved as an investor? No, 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 not at all. 
it's funny because I tell people like my investment money, for number one, I'm doubled down on my business now because we kind of have our own startup. We're trying to get a software. Rev PPC, sure. It's very expensive, but money only takes you so far, right? So unless you're a super millionaire, you're very, very, very wealthy, you only have limited options. But with brand equity, I can really get involved in lots of different startups and different ways. And one of the things that I decided was to use this marketing tool called Joel Media to kind of get an in with, with startups, help them with their marketing. My earlier clients from a few months ago are kind of falling off because the fit isn't exactly right. Like you tried to do some events based on LinkedIn Global. Are you moving out of the event space? No. So we just did two events first. We branded a startup meetup. Yeah, I saw that one. Beautiful. Made some really solid connections and got some solid business that we're closing and that we have already closed simply based on bringing people together. And again, trying to conquer this vertical of like, I'm a nobody in the startup sector, literally a nobody. But yet, if I brand myself as a somebody, I can dominate the vertical and go all the way to the top. This morning, watching a video of John Medved and, and Michael Eisenberg, our crowd and Olive, you know, some of the biggest <laughs> VCs in the world. And I literally feel like I can join them on the stage in a year from now just because of the way that I move and the relationships that I build. Um, and I actually spoke to Michael this morning, Michael Eisenberg, and I, and I you know, have people at, at our crowd that I'm in touch with. So you always have to double down on, on your value and, and see where you can position yourself. And, and you just got to go straight to the top. There's, I might sound a little crazy, but... You're saying instead of being like, oh, I'm building an, an Amazon agency, please come and be with me. You sit there, you start off being like, look, man, I'm the king of Amazon. Come with me because you'll be at the top two. I think you got to do this in whatever industry you're in, whatever company you're building, like just you got to position yourself as king of the hill. You're the top. I mean, it'll allow your voice to go so much further that when you allow your voice to go further... Right. Think about the analogy of standing on a mountaintop and your voice is traveling for miles. What also happens that it gets really amplified locally so that if you're if they hear about you three towns over in your own town, your voice is the loudest. That's a, like a very, very big benefit that people don't think enough about. Like in my town, like literally, if you think about it that way, uh, my voice actually is the loudest, you know, when it comes to, you know, the Amazon space. Brooklyn, uh, you know, New York, New Jersey. The tri-state. Every event that happens here, I'm speaking at because they talk about me in Texas. Now, <laughs> I may have not dominated Texas, but New Yorkers, hey, Joel's in Texas. He must be incredibly big. Let's, you know, let's work with him here. So lots of little things I said there, I think that we can expound on, but we're limited with time. Yeah, we are limited with time. A couple of things just to... <laughs> I wanted to ask you this, and I'm glad we have time for it. Every once in a while, you post online, and they're almost rants. I mean, they just they really get into it, and you're telling a certain group of people. You're not calling them out by name, but you're telling a certain group of people to shove it. In usually pretty nice, mostly nice language and everything. Sometimes a little bit harsh, but you know what's the deal with that? What's that all about? Number one, like I try to tell people online on LinkedIn, I don't really know. Sometimes I like I'll actually have a conversation. I'm like, I don't know you. I'm not really talking to you. Like, don't get insulted. I don't even have pictures. I block my contact pictures. It's a privacy setting on LinkedIn. So I don't even know what you look like. You're saying you interact with LinkedIn with zero pictures up or contact pictures up. Yeah. I mean, unless people are posting, right, their own pictures in the feed, 
going to get to know them. Meaning the little circle picture you don't see. But the little avatar, right. Okay. I don't see that. So I'm like, you shouldn't even be offended. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not even talking to a person. I'm just, it's words against words. It doesn't really mean anything, but it's just a way that I speak. And like, I'll never say not never, but generally speaking, I don't speak like that, you know, in a, in a one-on-one person to person. But the very nature of online is that you want to cut through the noise if you want to have an impact. Otherwise, no one will hear you. You have to speak really, really loudly because you're competing with billions of other voices. So, you know, it's kind of a, a technique that I use. Right. And what happens is you chase off 10 people, but then one person's like, aha, I love this guy. I love what he says. I love his message. I love how frank he is. And then you buy yourself a diehard fan. So every time that you think that you're alienating people, really you're capturing some really important demographics. So your theory is, is that for every 10 people you turn off, you get one diehard fan. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Should write a book about that. Yeah. The 10%. Yeah. I had a talk recently with David Meltzer. David Meltzer. I always get confused with Brad Meltzer. They're both authors. And he, you know, he's talking about this concept of how he yep. built up his life trying to build ambassadors. And that's the concept. Like you, you got to get some hardcore fans because they're the ones that are going to take you far. You can have a million views a day on LinkedIn. And then, and this goes for the rest of social media too. They're not going to take you that far. You need some really, really hardcore. You need a hardcore audience that will vouch for you, that will you know, do things for you, that will help lift you up and take you to uh, new plateaus. Absolutely. We were talking earlier about Joel Media and everything. So Ben, and I mean, I know Ben also, I'm saying I work with him a little bit here and there as well, ever since the whole event. He's taken Joel Media by the horns and he's like really doing it, but with your guidance and your expertise helping along? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, we're not partners, you know, it is my company, but we do have an agreement on revenue share. And, you know, ultimately he obviously wants to go out and do his own thing, make his own mark, but he's a young kid. And I'm like, Ben, listen, hang on to me and I promise you, you'll go far. So, I mean, we're looking at, we're just looking at hiring and we have, you know, a video team that we're working on and and social media, we're expanding aggressively. But yeah, I mean, again, I do a lot of handholding. I do a lot of, uh, say, micromanaging. Uh, But ultimately, I always like having a solid manager that just can call the shots. I don't want to call the shots. Right. Meaning you micromanage because it's new and you're figuring stuff out or you micromanage because that's your managing style? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, we're still figuring things out. But once once we have processes in place, which we, you know, we have processes, but then- you, Refining them, refining them. Here of any business, you should just like double down on process. That's what you got to do. Obviously, sales is first, but then process. Double down on process. Cool. How do you define greatness? Mm. Um, humility. <laughs> Be great by being small. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people get that confused about me because I have such a loud voice. They think, oh, guys, an ego. Online, sure. I don't think much about myself and I'll say it loud like I say it a lot of times. I think that it's an art to be truly humble and to work on that. It's, it's, it's a work in progress. Some people that you think are humble are just like introverted and quiet. And some people that you think are bombastic and loud are actually very humble. So it definitely is a balance when it comes to personal branding and how do you keep humility and how do you stay truly humble at your roots? But yeah, I think that's greatness, the small things. Whenever I, I read very inspirational stories, like the big things are beyond, it's beyond you. Think about like Bill Gates building Microsoft. You're not building Microsoft, right? Only Bill Gates did. So 
Right. Even when he did, I don't think when he started off, he's like, oh, I'm going to change the world and have 600,000 employees or whatever. He started off with like a little piece. Right. But he did have these crazy visions. He just Oh, he did. Okay. I, I don't want to go into it, but I mean, there's just like a volcano of, of different factors and variables that come together that allow someone like, what can I learn from Bill Gates? This small thing is like how he you know, treats an employee or I think those are the signs of greatness is, you know, humility, the small things. Awesome. What is one piece of advice that you can give to our listeners that will, meaning an actionable item they can put into place today to help them on their way to greatness? Cliche, but add value. Like stop trying to pitch people. I think the number one mistake people make is they pitch. Are you talking LinkedIn or are you talking sales period? In general, in general. And if you're a great, great born salesman, you can't help pitching. That's what you do. Go ahead. Like, I'm not going to stop you. That's what you do. And that's what you're good at. But most people are not, you know, naturally born salespeople. It's probably a very small percentage that are like terrific salespeople. And if you're not, then, I mean, a salesperson, actually a really good salesperson actually sounds like they make it sound like the offering value. So really it's all about offering value. Go out there and offer value to people. And then the business, the money will come. It's very, very, very hard when you're trying to build something from scratch or when you're you know, a solopreneur, when you're working by yourself and you just need another client, another customer, another order, another sale. But ultimately, if you can take two hours of your day and just try to add value and really, really try to add value, that'll be the game changer that'll set you apart. The building block that'll just build everything up after that. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, no. Okay. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? Um, LinkedIn. People reach out to me all the time. And it's like one of these other things, like a pet peeve. Hey, Joel, can I call you? I have a question. And I'm like, well, why don't you ask me the question? Yesterday, I had someone who's on LinkedIn, da, 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 I have a brand, da, 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 product, Amazon, call, meeting. I said, give me more information. Gives me more information. Give me a little bit more information. Gives me more information. I said, okay, here's where it's going to start. You're going to start out at $3,500 a month for whatever the project was. Are you still interested? (laughs) He says, no, thank you. I just saved myself a 10 minute, 15 minute, 20 minute call, which inevitably would have been full of free advice because I can't help myself and a waste of time for myself. So, because there would be no business there. And, you know, you can't spend, like I just was talking about value, right? But you can't spend your day, your entire day given given value. And you also have to choose, decide where do you want to give value? So it's not really a contradiction not to want to, you know, answer every person's uh, belly aches with offering value. You got to use it strategically. So if I were to reach out to, to someone that I really want to work with, my pitch would not be, hey, I want to work with you. I want to see, maybe we can do marketing for you. Let's get on a call and decide how we can, can I bring value to you in some way? Is there something I want to hear about what you do? And now, now add value. granted, when you're starting out and people don't know who you are, not everyone's going to take your phone call to, to see how you can help them. But ultimately, as you continue doing, you know, small steps of adding value, it will uh, pay off. Awesome. Cool. Great. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you coming on. I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you making some time to be on the show. Thank you. Thanks for making it happen. And I got to tell you, like you, you're persistent. You wanted to make it happen and you did. Good for you. David Stat wrote at the end of September last year, motivating 
five stars. Very motivating and inspiring. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you and I appreciate that you continue to show up as we continue to show up. And together, we can make a difference in the world and we can help everybody find their way to greatness. Thank you for listening to the Way to Greatness podcast, where we explore the journey from failure and mediocrity to success and greatness. Keep moving on your way to greatness. Join us next week for more stories, inspirations, and interviews to help you achieve the greatness within you. Oh, 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 oh